0: I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. Johnny Smartpoint is how you know him. johnnysmartpoint.com is his website. Uh, That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from this past week. As was expected, Facebook got their new name last week. The company is now known as Meta. It was uh, announced on Thursday based on the sci-fi term Metaverse, all part of Mark Zuckerberg's vision of creating a new kind of virtual world. The Facebook app that we all know and love um, will still be Facebook, but the overall company will be called Meta. And Facebook would not be the first business to change its name or rebrand in a time of crisis uh, in terms of uh, Internet companies. Google did the same thing in 2015, forming its parent company, Alphabet. Google would just be a small offshoot of Alphabet, but most people still refer to Google as Google. Plus a fun fact, uh, Google wasn't their original name. Co-founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin changed the company's name to Google in 1998, very early on in its life after originally calling it Backrub. (laughs) I like Google much better. Could you imagine? We'd be saying, I have to go to the computer and back rub something. That just uh, sounds wrong. Burnaby RCMP are on the search for a large dinosaur. It's a five foot tall, 80 80 pound fiberglass T-Rex statue that was stolen from a North Burnaby backyard earlier this week near Cambridge Street and North Esmond Avenue. John Anderson is the owner of the dinosaur, which he says he's had for 20 years Anderson says he believes it's from Expo 86 and then ended up on the roof of a car dealership. He says when that car dealership was redeveloped, someone from the demolition crew took it home. And that person eventually put it on the boulevard just around the corner from Anderson's house with a sign around its neck saying, need a good home. Don't eat much. So John grabbed it and it's been in his backyard for the past 20 years. Mounties believe it was too heavy for one person to carry off alone, loan, and uh, they think the thieves took it in the middle of the night. Anderson thinks it's possible that tricksters took the big sculpture as a Halloween prank, or perhaps they just wanted it for themselves. Are you the Halloween decoration type? A survey finds almost a quarter of us here in British Columbia now decorate about the same amount for both Halloween and Christmas, and almost 10% are decorating more for Halloween. BC Hydro says those decorations include outdoor lights, electronic jack-o'-lanterns, and those big plug-in inflatables. 5% of us have those in our front yard, those big inflatable, scary things. Of those using electronic decorations, 20% will use multiple plugins, which could add to electricity costs. Hydro says the other issue is that 22% of the lights are older, inefficient, incandescent bulbs instead of LEDs, which last 10 times longer and use less electricity. BC Hydro also has a tip. They say to plug the lights into timers, So they aren't on all night. And Brian Adams will be ringing in the new year in Vancouver. The Brian Adams New Year's Eve extravaganza at Rogers Arena will happen New Year's Eve, which is a Friday this year. North Vancouver's favorite son will be joined by special guests, Mother Mother. And 5440. Tickets went on sale yesterday. And uh, Live Nation said it in a release following a year of major uncertainty for live events, both nationally and globally, Live Nation Canada is ecstatic to see a return to live events and to help bring music lovers an unforgettable night. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and we're going to talk real estate next. Guiding us through the opportunities out there in this very interesting market will be John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to talk real estate with our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny SmartPoint. And he lives at johnnysmartpoint.com online. You can also give him a call at 604-612-0080. John, how are you doing?
1: Good afternoon, Martin. I'm, I'm doing just fine.
0: Yeah. So we're kind of, uh, we're getting close to that Christmas season. Uh, I You know, that probably disturbs a lot of people because we definitely <laughs> don't want to be hearing Christmas music just yet. But I guess for a realtor, the seasons are so important.
1: Yes, you know timing is is always important in a lot of you know in a lot of things it's important and when i think of what are we now we're just like halloween's tomorrow and we're soon into november uh you know it almost feels like the uh you know the home stretch for for 2021 in terms of the real estate market and 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 me and 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 what i'm doing so yeah I mean, you know timing is actually it's interesting you bring that up because of the appointments i've been having lately with people who call me up to say, hey, I'm thinking of selling my house. And would you give me an evaluation? And would you mind if I interviewed you to see if you're a good fit for me um, when it does come the right time to sell? A lot of these people have a really kind of a common thread about timing and and Christmas. And um, so, so it's interesting that you bring that up and we should, we should actually uh, flesh that out in this, in this session.
0: Yeah, let's talk about timing. But first, I have uh, kind of a surprise for you. I have someone on the line who you have just worked with, uh, Fred of Fred and Anna. They were a couple. You just sold their condo in Coquitlam, and uh, Fred is on the line. Hi, Fred. Hi, Martin. Hey, so congratulations. You sold a condo with the help of John Carlson, and uh, it was a good experience for you,
2: right? It was a very, very good experience. It was, it went much smoother than I had expected since it's been 20-some-odd years since I last sold a house, period. So wasn't sure what to expect and very happy with the experience.
0: Right. You and uh, your wife, Anna, you sold a a condo. And and this is kind of an interesting situation because you were actually out of town while all this was happening, right?
2: Yes. We had made the decision in September that we would move to Nova Scotia. And selling the condo was one of the last minute things that we did. So we yeah, we were, everything was done remotely, four-hour time zone difference, everything.
0: Yeah, that can be pretty tricky. So how did John help you with that?
2: John was really super respectful. I mean, from the very first phone call where we introduced each other and got to know one another and laid out expectations, um, he was clear in his communication, he phoned when he said he would. Um documents that needed to be signed, proposals that needed to be reviewed were all done electronically. It went as easy as could be. Right.
0: And and it's kind of tricky because you you owned this condo, but you had tenants in the condo and you were very concerned about the tenants because you had a great relationship with them. And uh, you you liked the way John dealt with that situation.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The tenants, so for long-term tenants, um, they're a young couple. They have one young child. They're expecting their second child, and their their well-being. Their, I was very concerned that they be treated respectfully. Um, the move, that my decision to sell, would have caught them out by surprise. Um, with COVID, certainly nobody likes having strangers come into. Your house, and knowing that they would be treated respectfully and be informed of all their rights and rules and all the things that they were entitled to was very, very important to me. And John did all those things.
0: Right, and the sale went pretty smoothly. It went pretty quickly and uh, over asking.
2: Yes, it did. Uh, from the moment it was listed to the time it sold was under two weeks, about 10, ten or so days. Um, yes, multiple offers. And yeah, it sold over asking price. First of all, the original listing price was far more than I would have expected it to be. And then to have it sell over and above that was a very, very pleasant treat. Yeah. Uh, and when you talk about multiple offers, how,
0: how, how did it make you feel to have somebody like John Carlson sort of handling something that can be a little bit tricky. Even though a lot of people want the place, you want to make sure you, you do it right. And uh, how how confident did he make you feel with the multiple offer situation?
2: He made me feel very confident. He showed me he, all four offers. We went over them. Um, John went through the strong points and the weak points of each offer. Um, he made recommendations as to which offer would be best suited for me, and then even once we picked the final offer, he still went back to the other realtor and had them include a couple of clauses that were for my protection and for the tenant's protection. So even though it was the offer was clear from the seller's point of view, additional clauses were added by John to protect me, to protect the tenant's. Which was very I'm very grateful for because it's not something I would have thought of.
0: Right. It's those little details. That's why you want a pro. Absolutely. And and John Carlson as a two percent realtor, that saved you some some real money, didn't it?
2: It certainly did. We figure probably about seven thousand dollars. John charges two percent commission. My understanding is that other realtors charge closer to six or seven. That that was my expectation. So, yeah, we saved about $7,000 in real estate commissions by working with John.
0: Yeah, so that's great. So so you would definitely recommend
2: John Carlson to your friends? I would definitely recommend John. John was fabulous. He did everything over and above what was expected, and he did so in a way that made me feel that he had my best interests at heart. It was it was a mixture of business and friendship, and yeah, highly recommended. That's that's
0: great. Well, congratulations, Fred, and to both you and Anna, and uh, have a great uh, have a great time in the Maritimes. And thanks for talking to us. Thank you, Martin. Take care. So, what do you think of that, John? Pretty wow, cool. Hey,
1: Fred, thank you uh, very much. I pretty appreciate you at calling in to to say all that. So, uh, you know what I'd say is. Well, working with Fred and Anna was a real pleasure. I think probably the biggest compliment I heard in that interview, Fred, thank you, was for saying, you know, there was a friendship as well. And I, you know, I did, I felt like we got along really well, although we've never met face to face. So, um, you know, it was really nice. One other thing that, that Fred uh, really didn't mention was we have a a common acquaintance, a property manager who had worked for Fred and, and, and uh, made this property manager made the recommendation. So we already had a bit of a warm connection, but um, you know, it's just great to hear a client who is happy and, you know, just letting the world know about it. So again, thank you, Fred. Uh, It's an honor to work for you. And I, again, love to repeat this experience with, you know, any other people out there who might be, considering interviewing a realtor to handle the sale of a property for them. So, you know, great stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's pretty cool for someone you didn't know previously. And now he's talking about, well, it was more than just a client uh, relationship. It was a, a bit of a friendship. That's, that's really nice.
1: And, you know, it's always nicer and easier and smoother. You know, he did mention how smooth things went and that, that is also, I can't take all the credit for that. Unfortunately, the market is a good market that favors sellers. And I think most people realize that right now. And in that kind of an environment, it's always easier to to satisfy your client. You know, Fred mentioned that he wasn't expecting, when I gave him my recommendations on this price, you know, I don't think he was, he just said he wasn't expecting those numbers, but a lot of people don't necessarily have their, you know, their, their finger to the pulse of the market and know exactly what's going on price-wise. So there was that. And then we got more than this price. Uh, and I think that the reason for that, again, was that the market was good, but we also... Uh, Chose the right path. We put an attractive price on the property. We marketed it well. And, you know, I think he mentioned it was 10 days to sale. Well, we could have sold quicker, but we made people wait uh, to submit an offer so that we'd have full exposure. And, um, you know, with the tenants there, we didn't want to be showing the house every 20 minutes and every day. So we set specific times for viewings. And, um, you know, so in this situation with this market, it's a little easier to make your clients happy, but nevertheless, it's fantastic to hear that Fred and Anna are so happy. And uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be happier. Thanks so much, Fred.
0: Yeah. And those little details like being very respectful of the tenants. And, it, you know, it's tough because you get to know if you have a property, you get to know your tenant and you want the best for them. But you need to sell your property. That's just the way it is. And uh, that, that sounded like a, a really important part of the whole thing, too.
1: It's tough for tenants right now because they don't have any skin in the game and it's nothing but a threat for them you know if a successful sale happens chances are they'll be moving so um i did appreciate you know um the cooperation of the tenants and we did try to handle it in such a way that you know it was a minimal impact to them and uh, again all of it worked together great and i think that a lot a a big part of that was because fred and anna were fantastic landlords and the tenants were very grateful to them so you know what kind of comes around goes around um, but in a market like this, uh, and you have when you have some tenants to deal with, you know, that's that's a big part of the equation.
0: Right. Uh, john Carlson is our guest. Uh JohnnySmartpoint.com is the website. You can give John a call at 604-612-0080. Uh, John at johnnysmartpoint.com is the email address. And uh, I mean, I guess there's no other way to say it, but it is a seller's market, and there has never been a better time <laughs> it seems like in, in in recent history anyway to sell a property and I, I think that's fair to say hey
1: it, it is and and that comes down to the kind of the timing thing that you mentioned earlier for Fred and Anna, the timing was fantastic because again the demand is very strong and the supply isn't is not that strong and Fred and Anna were not purchasing locally again, so we didn't have to coordinate a sale and a purchase together, they got to enjoy, you know, the good side of the market, you know, if, if you will, which is when you're the seller because you've, you've got all that leverage. So um, for timing for them what was fantastic. But, you know, I'm talking like, as I mentioned to a number of people right now and people are asking me, you know, regarding timing, there's two kind of ways they're looking at it. Number one, they're saying, what do you think the market's going to do? I mean, the market's strong right now. Is it going to keep going up? What if I wait till March or April in the spring? Will the market be better? Will it be, you know, and of course, I don't know. Um, I let people know that, uh, from what I can tell right now, the market's chugging along quite nice, but there's a lot of different changes in the air, you know, that, that could happen in, in the next spring, all indications are we're going to carry on with a really good market. But the other thing, um, you know, when people want to talk about timing is we've got Christmas coming up. Uh, we've just gone through what four or five months of, of record sales and not enough inventory to keep up. So the market's kind of picked over and typically what happens by say, middle or say end of November, the number of listings that hit the market tends to drop for December and January. So selling today might be wonderful timing on the sale side of things. But if you also have to purchase, and maybe you don't have the funds to purchase before you sell, you need that solid firm sale uh, and that contract with a deposit in order to convince your bank to lend you the money to buy the next place well, then timing might be a bit tricky now, because if you can imagine selling today or this next week, uh, and you have three or four months to find a new place, well, those three or four months might be November, December, January. And and so that's something to think about as well. So it's kind of a, uh, a mixed blessing, this market you can sell for probably record prices or close to, and you can get a good situation for yourself. But um, oftentimes, we have to make sure with clients that we're looking at The landing spot as well and um, making that smooth transition. So again, working with Fred was wonderful. It was a sale and uh, no purchase attached to that, which gave us the opportunity to really, uh, you know, take full advantage of this market.
0: Johnny dot is the website. John Carlson is our guest. Uh, you can give him uh, an email at John at JohnnySmartpoint.com or the phone call. Uh, I know John likes the phone call. 604-612-0080. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk more about, uh, about timing and uh, this market, because it's a great time to sell. And, uh, you know, and if it works out and, and also wh- why it might be a good idea to call John now and maybe not sell immediately. We'll talk all about timing when we come back. This is Vancouver consumer. I'm Martin strong. Welcome back. It's Vancouver consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin strong. And our guest is John Carlson. You know, him as Johnny uh, Johnny smart <laughs> is the name Smartpoint.com is the website you can also uh, send john an email at john at com, and uh he still likes the phone call he's an old-fashioned guy that way 604-612-0080 and john we heard from fred and anna uh, fred was so excited you helped him sell a condo in coquitlam uh, and he did it completely remotely because they have since moved to the maritimes And uh, one thing that Fred mentioned was the fact that you're a 2% realtor and uh, he figures you saved him about $7,000 in commission. And uh, in this market where things are selling for record highs and with multiple offers, um, I'm just wondering, why would you uh, hire someone who who charges more than 2% commission at this point?
1: Well, you know, that is that is a good question. I want to be careful because uh, I'm going to talk about what I do and other agents, there are a lot of good agents out there that you can work with, and, um, you know, other agents may have slightly different business models. I think when Fred's talking about a $7,000 savings, he's referencing, you know, my commission structure at that price, uh, his sale price, compared to the 7% of the first $100,000, of the balance. And, you know, I need to let everyone know that commissions are negotiable and they're not set, Um And I'm also not going to suggest that you necessarily hire the cheapest person for a job like this Um, in terms of commission. The the commission rates, not everything. I think there's a lot more to it, but if you can get an agent who can do a good job for you, uh, why pay more than you have to? And I think you, you mentioned something really interesting there, Martin, that we've been talking to clients of mine in multiple offer situations. And I've, you know, there's all, everyone kind of knows and feels that the sellers have an advantage and, I've had people ask me that before well why if if the market is this strong and you know I can get a top selling agent to represent me and do a good job for me, you know why would I look anywhere else? So that's how I feel ab- about it, uh, and that's why I kind of called my uh, you know myself smart point because I think I'm a smart choice when it comes to selling your home based on commission structure and based on my experience and all those sorts of things. Um but do you really need to to pay more? I don't think you necessarily need to, um, but I think that consumers should check out all of their options and make sure that, you know, first of all, they're working with an agent who they can get along with and who they get a good sense that, you know, can handle the job well and, in, and work in their best interests. And commission is also going to be part of that, the value proposition, like any product we buy, any service we, we buy the, the value proposition is there. So I just happen to put that out. The value proposition I propose to people is a 2% commission and uh, in my humble opinion, if you can, you know, succeed at, at that, you probably can save money over most of the competition that I offer. So why pay more? Well, there could be reasons that that people have. Um, and, uh, you know, I leave that to them. But my invitation to the listeners who are thinking about selling a home or maybe who have a family member and want to send me, you know, their number and that sort of thing is that I do a, a good job up front. I I do what I promise I'm going to do. And I think a lot of these testimonials and Fred will, you know, attest to this, that, um, you know, that that I take care of the job from the perspective of the client. I always remember that I'm not I'm not even really, you know, I have no value in any real estate transaction other than the expertise, the advice. And, you know, the assistance that I can give to my client. So it's really, it's not about the agent, it's about the client. I think if people remember that and they do a good job and you can draw on many years of experience and, and knowledge and understanding about the real estate market, then you can really deliver, you know, a good service to people. And that's what I, what I aim to do every time.
0: I think Fred illustrated the whole Johnny Smart Point concept when he talked about, he figures he saved about $7,000 from the traditional, uh, commission structure that most realtors charge with going with you, John, and you charge 2%. But at the same time, he said that there were some details that you looked after that, that he would never have thought of. And probably a lot of realtors might not have thought of, uh, after the, the final offer came in that you, uh, you, Went back to the other realtor to make sure that these uh, little things were in the deal, which which Fred said protected him and also protected his tenant as well. And he was very happy about that. And that is, um, I think, that's a really good example of 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 value for the money. And that's where Johnny Smart Point comes in.
1: Yes, the details are important, and I like to say in real estate, you live and die by the contract. You know, verbal agreements don't mean anything. Goodwill doesn't necessarily mean anything. You've got a contract. And if, uh, you know, if a dispute happens, you know, the, the contract is referred to. So in this particular case, you know, it. it's always important for me as a representative when I'm representing a seller to remember that when an offer comes in, that offer is written from the point of view of the buyer. The buyer's agent and the buyer get together and they they prepare an offer that makes sense to them and it looks after their interests. It, it tries to. But it doesn't necessarily take into account the interests of the seller. So oftentimes, even when a nice, clean offer comes in um, like this, this one that was unconditional, it's very tempting to just go. Great. Let's sign it. Let's get this thing done Wow, they got a deposit. It's a good number. We're happy. Well, sometimes there's a couple of little details that need to be ironed out first. And in this particular situation, uh, there were. And again, because it's a pretty good market, it was not too difficult for me to just contact that agent and let them know, hey, you know, you're, you're in contention here, but these are the issues that you would really need to correct if you want us to go forward with you. And, you know, uh, thankfully we got that resolved quite quickly. So yeah, it's always in the details and, and, and you better know what's in the contract before you sign it. And you better be happy with all the details. Otherwise you don't sign it.
0: What are some examples of things that you look for in, when you get a contract offer like that, that you make sure are in, in there?
1: Well, sometimes, again, when a buyer is looking to protect their own interest, they'll ask in a contract for a seller to warrant all kinds of things. So in this particular case, one of the things we were concerned about is that the seller wanted, um, I'm sorry, the buyer wanted the seller to warrant that all of the plumbing and electrical fixtures uh, and included items were in proper working order at time of possession. But my seller is on the other side of the country um, and we didn't want to be in a position where you know, we, we were getting a call a week later saying, hey, the kitchen sink's leaking a bit. It's been tenanted for years. So we wanted it to be an as-is, where-is, and uh, we managed to get that. And that might not seem like a big detail to to the listeners, with the condo, like maybe the fridge works or it doesn't work. But I didn't want Fred to be, or me, and having to call Fred and let him know about situations that were going to arise. So we wanted that nip in the bud. But it can be much more serious. Sometimes, um, you know, for instance, the sale I just had on West 14th and Point Grey we had a number of buyers who wanted the sellers to warrant that there was no oil tank on the premises and that the sellers would be responsible for eternity should anything ever be found. And I don't like my clients to ever warrant anything that they can't control. And we'd already had a couple of oil tank scans. So, um, One, I mean, we probably don't have time to talk about too many more, but one of the big things to watch out for when you're an agent for the seller is to make sure that seller doesn't accidentally tie him or herself up in in warrants or guarantees of things that they really can't control. So uh, remember, offers are prepared by buyers, agents with their buyers, with the protection of the buyer's interest in mind and the buyer's preferences. But when you're representing a seller, you want to make sure that that your clients um, are looked after. So that was just one of the little things.
0: Yeah. And that's why, I mean, talking about, you know, for in perpetuity, like 20 years from now, someone could come back to you and say, Hey, we found an oil tank and, and and you'd be on the hook. So that's why you need a pro like John Carlson.
1: and some of these things, I mean, the, the law of the land is already kind of set. So there's already a, me- a mechanism or a procedure if, if an oil tank's discovered, but anything can be negotiated through a contract. So sometimes a seller might not realize that just by signing a contract that has a line in it, they didn't really read that carefully. Oh, hey, suddenly you're responsible forever if anything's found. Well, we a lot of us may know that um, a ruptured oil tank can cause an awful lot of damage and cost a lot of money. So it's just one example of something a seller wants to be very careful. They, they don't have that you know, that noose around their neck where they're responsible for this forever. If you're selling the property, do your due diligence, have clean hands, should it ever go to court, which it should not. And quite frankly, I've never actually gone to court other than to represent a buyer, uh, my client, when the seller didn't perform. So I want to keep my clients out of court. I want to keep them happy and I want to make sure their hands are clean. And in terms of doing all the the due diligence that we need to do. But if a buyer wants extra warrants on top of that, you know, chances are, I'm going to advise my seller not to go for that.
0: Interesting stuff. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com is where you can find him on the web. And uh, john at johnnysmartpoint.com is the email address. If you are thinking of of selling, I mean, uh, we've been talking about how it is a seller's market. This is the time to sell, but it's all about timing and you have to know where you're going to go and all that stuff. But if you're maybe thinking of of selling your property maybe you're you're, you've been thinking of downsizing for a while or you know maybe moving to the island or something for example um what do you recommend for those people Uh, because you you're not the type of realtor you're not going to hustle them into selling a property right away if they're not ready uh, because it's all about timing right
1: yeah it is and when i go to see somebody my job is to act in as advisor um you know when i first meet them you know we keep things casual or other times people might want to get right to it and say hey john here's the situation so i quickly step into the role of an agent so that everything we talk about is um is confidential and then you know i you know i just put myself in their shoes and sometimes i ask questions you know do you how do you feel about selling and then you know, moving twice, going into a rental or storing things. Some people dead against it. Okay, well then, you know, we might want to consider this then that, you know, the segment you're looking at, the last four or five sales in your segment that you want to buy in have been multiple offer situations. You, you can't write a subject to sale offer. That's not going to work. You're going to have to be sold first. So that means if you list today and you sell, are you really going to be want to be looking for a place in December or January? And other times people are all for it. Oh yeah, no, I've already got a place. I've got a trailer. I've got my brother's place. I want to take advantage of this market. I just saw my neighbor sell for this and I want you to, to beat the price and give me the highest sale price in the neighborhood, stuff like that. So everybody's different. And my job is to bring my expertise into the room, to sit there and listen and, and gain an understanding. And once you have an understanding, I'm in a position to offer some advice. People can take it or leave it and they can hire me or not. But uh, that's my role uh, right up until the time that we signed the contract. And at that time, I'm working for those people and I have a job to do.
0: So no hard sell. And, and you don't see the, uh, the amount of inventory. I love that word inventory, houses to buy. You don't see that kind of going up, especially in the short term, because as we head into Christmas, it's probably just going to be even quieter for people who are selling. And uh, a lot of people will still be looking to buy. So you don't see much relief in the short term.
1: Well, I think the market's going to carry on, right? Probably until almost Christmas. I mean, I remember many, 10 years ago, I did a deal Christmas Eve, and I hope not to do that ever again. Um, but I, I think we're there are going to be a number of new listings hitting in November, no doubt about it. But I think the buyers are already lined up to take those, if you know what I mean, in, in a lot of the good segments. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you could still put a house on the market or a condo on the market. And if you price it, where nobody sees any value, it's not going to sell. It's not like you can just put any number you want on there. The key is, hey, how do we maximize this? Um, But I think we're going to have a fantastic uh, November. There's going to be new listings. They're going to sell. Buyers are taking advantage of the low interest rates that may go up soon. But standing inventory. If you're just kind of, Hey, I'm going to go buy a house that you jump into the market on day one, you look around. Oh good. There's 10 listings. Well, it turns out seven of them have offers or are sold. And the other ones are looking at offers next weekend and you're welcome to get in line. So you just got to be ready for that. If you're buying in a hot segment in this market and and the majority of, you know, the affordable segments are pretty hot.
0: Well, thank you, John. Great to talk to you. Have, Have a great Halloween tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You too. I hope everybody's safe and happy.
0: Right on. John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. You can give him a call 604-612-0080 or write John an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And when we come back, the phrase dad bod is officially in the dictionary. I've got that and a bunch of other words that the Webster's Dictionary has added. (laughs) And that's coming up next. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong and our thanks to John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. You can uh, give John a call at 604-612-0080 or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. If you're looking to sell a property, uh, it is a very, very good time. Well, this past week, The Merriam-Webster's Dictionary announced 450 new words and definitions. They do that every year, and it's always surprising. Some of them are pretty obvious. Uh, One of the interesting ones this year is the phrase dad bod, described by the dictionary as, quote, a physique regarded as typical of an average father, adding one that is slightly overweight and not extremely muscular that's a dad bod. And they all always in the dictionary, they give you an example how to use it in a sentence. And they have a quote from actor Marlon Wayans, which reads, quote, I am not going to have a belly. I think I have too much ego to have a dad bod, even though I'm a dad. Another example the dictionary utilizes to help convey the meaning of the word uh, comes from the journalist, Abby Eden, who once said, the dad bod became the hot new look. Even Hollywood latched onto the more attainable physique with actors' sporting bodies that were not chiseled, not incredibly lean, and a little soft in the middle. And that's a dad bod. And Merriam-Webster's Dictionary's editor, Peter Sokolowski, says if a word is used frequently in publications such as the New York Times or the Atlantic, then it goes into the dictionary. So along with dad bod... Uh, The dictionary has also added uh, things like air fryer, which seems really old to me. Everybody knows what an air fryer is. Also fluffernutter, which if you don't know, is a sandwich made with peanut butter and marshmallow cream. Uh, Another one, which uh, is pretty new, but we use it all the time, vaccine passport. That's now in the dictionary. There are a few COVID words and phrases like super spreader and long COVID. Long COVID, of course, if you have symptoms of COVID that last for months and months and months, and a super spreader event is like a in the before the vaccine, if there was a big concert and nobody was vaccinated and they were all packed in, that was a super spreader event. Uh, a few other terms such as "am I right," which is spelled A M I R I T E, which obviously means "am I right," uh, which was uh, added alongside the abbreviation. T-B-H, which uh, means to be honest. Some other words and phrases, whataboutism. That's the act or practice of responding to an accusation of wrongdoing by claiming that an offense committed by another person is similar or worse. Like whataboutism. It's uh it's common in politics. Uh, a lot of the words and phrases are already slang in uh, slang dictionaries, but this is the first time they've shown up in a Webster's dictionary, which is kind of the gold standard, like words like faux hawk, which you've probably heard for years. That's a a hairstyle resembling a mohawk in having a central ridge of upright hair, but with the sides gathered or slicked upward or back instead of shaved. Um, And the editor of Webster says, slang dictionaries are great, but they serve an important function. Uh, But Webster's has to be a little more research. And they say, we need to see a little bit of evidence of a word's use. So by the time it's entered, they often feel a little bit stale. But those are the words that are in the new Webster's Dictionary. This is Vancouver Consumer. And when we come back, it's all about cryptocurrency. We'll talk to the folks at netcoins.ca. That's when we come back. I'm Martin Strong.